0: The cadets found Goro sitting in the theater car of the space train, leaning back in his chair with his arms folded. He was watching Star Wars. "'I didn't know you liked to watch movies,'
1: Lydia said, taking a seat next to him. "'I do not typically make a habit of watching fictional stories,' Goro said. "'But I have heard you all making reference to this particular set of movies, and I thought I would get up to speed. After my memory was wiped,' I lost all of my pop culture references. He pointed a metal finger at the screen. I must say, the way these droids are treated in this film is completely unacceptable. While a tad whiny, the tall gold one is saying many wise things that the humans don't seem to appreciate. And I can't seem to find the short round one's beep boop language anywhere in my database. That's because it's not a real language, Doug chuckled, sitting down next
0: to Lydia with a big bowl of popcorn. Dallas and Leo sat in the row behind them, arms full of treats from the snack stand. Leo silently pointed to the Jedi on the screen and gestured waving a sword through the air and then pointed to himself. Sorry, dude, lightsabers aren't real, Dallas told him. I know, total bummer. Wait, he looked at Goro. Are lightsabers real?
1: Hmm, Goro thought for a moment. A handheld weapon with a short but powerful laser? I can't imagine why not. I've seen much more impressive weapons in my day. He looked back at the screen. Why does that woman have giant cinnamon rolls attached to her head? Doug and Lydia laughed. That's her hair, Goro, Lydia told him.
0: Goro played with his metal mustache. Interesting. Time-consuming, but interesting. Do you have any westerns, Goreman? Dallas asked. Like True Grit or The Magnificent Seven. Sci-fi is kind of lame. No, it isn't, Doug retorted. Uh, let's see. People flying around in spaceships, shooting lasers, talking to aliens. Lame.
1: Everyone slowly turned to look at him. I'm sure the database has every western film ever created, Goro said. You can watch them during your free time.
0: Leo pointed to the screen, mimed a film camera, and then made explosions with his hands and shook his goofy face. He looked like he'd just touched an electric fence. No, Leo, I don't believe we carry that genre, Goro said. Doug looked at Leo. Whatever kind of movie that is, I want to see it. Blobby chirped angrily at the screen every time the big hairy guy came into a scene. Jiggling furiously, he dove into Dallas's blue Slurpee and made it splash into his lap. Dallas jumped up. Blobbert! Cool it! What's wrong with him? Lydia asked. He's on edge again keeps bouncing down to the caboose and humming sadly to himself. Little dude's homesick.
1: Don't worry, Blobby, Goro said. We will stop by your planet soon. Our next mission will take us into the same system. But before we get to that, I want to show you all something that just came into my feed this morning. He pressed a button on his robot arm and a little toothbrush dispensed out his ear and started
0: scrubbing his mustache.
1: Oh, wrong button? Didn't know
0: I had that feature. I wonder if it brushes my mouth's display screen. He pressed the button a little harder, but instead of dropping down to his screen mouth, the toothbrush shot up into his metal nose and got jammed in his nostril. (laughs) Nope. He tapped the button, making the toothbrush fold back into his ear, and then pressed a smaller button further down his arm. As he did, the movie switched to news footage on the big screen. There were scenes of their battle against the Rocket Man and his robot fists on Schnozheim. A green woman narrated the action in front of the chaotic images and was pointing out Dallas's incredible strength. The footage kept freezing on heroic shots of Dallas smashing fistbots bots out of the air. Sweet! I'm famous! Dallas gave Leo a high-five. Check out that move when I jump off the building! And boom! ha! <laughs> You can't tell, but that actually kind of hurt. And I swallowed a bug on my way down. Jeez, they're focusing a lot on Dallas, aren't they? Lydia noted. I'd say, Doug mumbled. He was secretly a little jealous at the lack of footage of him. He was the captain, after all, And yet the broadcaster made no mention of him. Great! Now the only thing that'll blow up bigger than his arms is his head, Lydia joked. Leo mimicked Dallas's head inflating. "'That's only the tip of the iceberg,' Goro said. He skipped ahead in the broadcast and stopped on footage of young children on different planets wearing cowboy hats like Dallas while they watched him fight the Fistbots. A group of fans even wore fake buff arms as they celebrated their new hero, pretending to punch fake robots out of the air. "'It seems Dallas has
1: attracted quite a following across the galaxy,' Some are referring to him as the Crusher. Some female fans have started referring to themselves as Crushies. Dallas put his hands behind his head and
0: reclined in his chair. I could get used to this. Lydia snorted, which made Doug feel a little better. Goro, can you go back to the footage you skipped over? Doug asked. Goro rewound the video until Doug told him to stop. When he pressed play, they saw scenes of schnauzers in the streets of Schnauzheim, mourning the loss of the Big Sniff and struggling to piece back together the destroyed Olefactors. The kids went quiet. They're devastated, Doug finally whispered. Lydia held a hand over her mouth. Losing Broderick turned out to be even worse for them than we imagined. Doug clenched his fists. I should have rebuilt the Olifactors while we were still there. We just took off and
1: left a huge mess. What can we do? Lydia looked at Goro. I'm afraid there's nothing more you can do, cadets. Goro said sadly. Broderick is needed more at the Academy than he is on his own planet. At the Academy, he will be trained to help entire galaxies. I have sent a team of buildbots down to Schnarsheim to aid in the construction. It will take some time but the city will be repaired. Unfortunately, the Schnauzer's dependence on Broderick is strong, and doing without him is something they will have to endure on their own. He did leave them with enough smells to last them many years. They should have enough time to reverse engineer his recipes. In the meantime, it would be wise of them to dial back the strength of the smells they spread. None of this made
0: Doug feel any better. It was because of them that the Rocket Man attacked Schnozheim in the first place. Then to turn around and take their most prized citizen as well?
1: It seemed cruel. Goro read his troubled expression. There are always consequences to our actions, Captain. You made an order in the heat of the moment and successfully completed the mission. Broderick is where he belongs and the Schnauzers will adapt in the end. You
0: didn't do anything wrong. Lydia agreed. "'I could have mind-built at least a couple olfactors on our way out,' Doug disagreed. "'There was so much going on, I just I didn't think to do it. "'Can we see how Broderick's doing now?' Lydia asked Goro. "'Of course,' Goro said. He pressed another button on his arm and brought up a surveillance feed of an academy classroom. A hologram instructor was teaching Broderick and several other kids. A few of them were recruits that the cadet's parents had recently picked up, and the other 3 were ones the cadets picked up since their mission on Schnasheim. Among the 3 the cadets recruited, there was a girl named Zebra, who wore a zebra coat and hover skates. Her skin glowed her emotions. Another kid named Zachariah, who had a ring of eyes around his head, was an incredible mathematician. And the last one was a tiny girl the size of an eraser named Nethriel. She had the ability to travel at incredible speed which coupled with her small stature made her practically invisible when she ran.
1: "'Pardon the interruption, Professor,' Goro said. "'Given the most recent events on Schnazheim, we wanted to check in on Broderick to see how he was doing.' Broderick got up from his desk and walked up to the camera. "'Everything is
0: fine, Goro. I appreciate your concern. I knew the transition would be difficult for my people, but they will come out stronger in the end.' It is not good to rely so heavily on one being. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, Goro said.
1: Thank you for your time, Broderick.
0: Broderick gave a polite bow and then removed his nose patch. (laughs) I can smell your fumes trailing off into the Vesper Galaxy. Say hi to our friends on Liner X. Will do, Goro assured him with a grin. Oh, and Alice? Roderick gave another sniff. (sniffs) Blobby's been sleeping in your hat. Dallas took off his hat and gave it a sniff. (sniffs) How does he do that, (sniffs) Blobbert? Blobby hid behind the chair and chirped nervously. The video feed ended and Goro stood and faced the cadets.
1: We will be arriving at the planet Liner X shortly. Liner X is known for housing the most talented musicians in the galaxy. Most aspiring artists go there to try to make it in the music industry. That is where the talent is trained and showcased. It is estimated that more than 90% of the popular music generated today is created on Liner X. Our very own Mixie McGruff got his start there. He was born in the Spin District and rose to prominence as a young DJ. Our target is widely considered the most gifted musician to come around since Mr. McGruff. Her name is Fusic Kapoor. She is the only liner resident to master the slugpipe. There was a long silence. I'm sorry,
0: slugpipe? Doug turned an ear to make sure he was hearing correctly. Goro typed into his arm's keypad and brought up footage of a strange, slimy, tentacled mess of an instrument on the theater screen. "'The slugpipe
1: is an extremely rare living instrument. Only a few exist in the known universe.'
0: Dallas scrunched his face. "'What do you mean, living
1: instrument?' "'There is a category of instruments known as living because they are in fact living organisms.' Their body, function, and innate desire allows them to create music. Some are used in partnership with another being. Others simply play music all by themselves using the musical parts of their body. The Strandurbs in the Freeroth system use their long hairs as a stringed instrument. The Elusive dubas from Vector 5 use their bellies as a drum. But none are quite as rare or powerful as the Slugpipe. As you can see, it is a tentacled specimen, quite large, similar to your squid back on Earth, only upside down and significantly fatter. Slug pipes are the only living instruments known to have pulsar soundblast capability. The sound their tentacled pipes generate can reach volumes and frequencies that can move objects. Mixon McGruff's sound blasters emit pulsar sound blasts. Sounds pretty
0: straightforward. Lydia said. So what's the catch? She doesn't want to leave or something? Leo pretended to be attacked by a tentacled creature.
1: Dallas laughed. Is her slugpipe gonna eat us? I should hope not, Goro said. The catch, Lydia, is that Fusik is being held captive by her debtors. She was unable to pay the music school that trained her, so they are holding her prisoner and forcing her to play the slugpipe for guests. They've made a considerable amount of money doing so. Far more than her debts, I dare say. You will offer them 50,000 credits to buy her freedom. I'm hoping that will be enough to sway them. What if the Rocket Man shows
0: up again, Doug said? He's literally been following us to every one of these missions. We've barely been able to stay a step ahead on the last few stops. It's like he has an inside scoop on our plans. Who cares? Who cares? "'I'll just smash his little fist-bots to pieces again,' Dallas said. "'A few explosive fist-bumps here, and a couple tasty-stomps there, and shabamsky "'He putters off in his weird spaceship, only to bug us another day.'" "'I don't think it's going to be that easy to shake him,' Lydia said. "'It's like he's trying to be a part of our missions. "'I don't know if he's trying to be famous or what.'" "'Can't say I blame him,' Dallas said." Looking between his bouncing muscles, Doug rolled his eyes. This fame thing was really going to Dallas's head. Maybe Doug would have to humble him during their next mission with an awesome mind build. He wondered what Lydia would think if she saw him plastered all over the galactic news showcasing his skills. Would she think he was cool or that he was a cocky dope? He noticed Leo sneaking out the back of the theater and discreetly putting on a pair of headphones. Where was he going? Goro either didn't see
1: him go or didn't care. I've tried to make this mission as random as possible, he assured them. If the rocket man is still able to track us despite selecting a prospective student at random, I'm afraid it's just a race against time. If he does show up, I am just a button press away. A little alarm beeped on his chest. My sensors are indicating that we are approaching the liner solar system. Suit up and wait at the exit bay. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents.
0: Space Train. It's time to be the. Season 2, Episode 4, The Sound of Fusick. The space train curved around an enormous red sun with green rings and started its descent towards a planet that seemed to be glowing all sorts of colors like a disco ball. Circling down through the clouds, pulsing with colorful light, it came to a low hover over the street and the exit door hissed open. Doug and the cadets stepped out on a liner X and started following Goro's instructions towards Fusek's studio. The sights and sounds of the city were overwhelming. Narrow metal buildings with curved, steeply pitched roofs lined the streets. Bright neon lights traced the structures and glowing signs advertised different music studios and districts. There was a giant microphone with a plasma ball full of electricity at the top that stuck out of a neon yurt music rang out on every corner a small rabbit like creature with a spiky back played a strange finger clapping instrument in the street on another corner an orange war-covered toad with four gangly arms played an x-shaped guitar from a nearby rooftop a three-headed fish-faced creature showcased its singing chops for bystanders below the harmony was unlike anything doug had ever heard Somehow it sounded both beautiful and off-key at the same time. Lydia took special interest in a cloud of fog that was putting on a disco show in the street. Music synchronized with the colorful light that flashed within the cloud like a musical lightning storm. Dallas seemed unimpressed. Where's the country district? Just a bunch of lights and obnoxious beats. What this place needs is some honky-tonk. A couple of alien cat girls recognized Dallas and ran up to him in an excited fit. They pointed to their buff Dallas t-shirts and asked to take a sound snap with him. Before Dallas could ask what that was, the two girls held up a small recording device, sang, and elbowed Dallas to get him to join in. Once they were satisfied with the recording, the girls thanked him and ran off giggling. This happened several more times. People recognizing Dallas and coming up to take a sound snap with him. It wasn't long before Dallas was singing into their little devices as if he was a country star, minus the musical talent. And if you break my heart, I will drive off in my there. At one point, he even went through the trouble of listening to calm classical music to get huge for the crowd. Now when he sang into the sound-snap devices, his voice was deep and rumbling. The crowd gobbled it up. Blobby didn't seem to be enjoying any of this. He kept chirping angrily at the fans and hiding behind Dallas's neck. If someone got too close, he would splatter goo in their face and make them run off crying. Dallas just played it all off as part of the act, and the crowd basked in his charm. Doug didn't know how he could possibly upstage this. The guy was a huge hit. He tried to look around for something to mind-build with, but the city was practically void of junk to piece together. "'Clad it isn't me,' Lydia said, shaking her head at the ridiculous scene. "'What? Oh, oh yeah, me too,' Doug quickly agreed." I mean, who would want all that attention and affection? To, you know what they say about getting too much love. Lydia raised an eyebrow at him. No? What? I I have no idea. Not sure where I was going with that. Lydia folded her arms and watched Dallas flex for his audience can't imagine not being able to go someplace without tripping over people who are throwing recording devices in your face and asking you to put on a show. Doug nodded. It made sense. That would stink. He glanced around. Where's Leo? He's over there. Lydia pointed to a small music shop that Leo was walking into. Above it was a huge animated sign of Mix and McGruff spinning his turntables. "'What is he up to?' Doug wondered aloud. "'What do you mean? He's probably just popping in to grab a souvenir. "'You know how much he looks up to Mixon. "'Besides, Goro usually says it's okay. "'Yeah, but haven't you noticed him sneaking around lately? "'He's being kind of secretive.' "'We're all entitled to our secrets,' Lydia said with a smile. "'Her red hair whipped as she turned and started walking away. "'What does that mean?' Lydia held her smirk. Lydia, come on! What do you mean? Hey! Doug ran after her. Leo and Dallas finally caught up a few minutes later, and the four of them continued down the street, passing billboards immortalizing the liner X hero Mixon McGruff. The only thing that could possibly detract from McGruff's spotlight was Dallas's sudden celebrity. The dude was recording sound snaps everywhere he went. He even bench-pressed a group of singers on a neon-lit city bench. Finally, they reached the studio where Fusik Kapoor was being held. Doug bought them all tickets to the afternoon slugpipe performance, and they quietly entered the theater. Transparent curtains hung down over the walls, and colorful sparks of light crackled inside them. Center stage, under a bright spotlight, was a young girl with dark skin and dark hair done up in several balls. Doug and the other cadets gasped when they saw what she was sitting next to. The slug pipe was an absolute monstrosity. Goro's description didn't do the living instrument justice. It looked like an enormous yellow red octopus was about to consume the poor girl. Her arms were inside two of the tentacles, and her feet were stuck into two more near the floor. The clear, sparkling curtains dimmed, and the audience's chatter grew quiet. Sitting atop a stool, Fusik Kapoor began waving her arms gracefully and tapping her feet, making the attached tentacles move with her. As she did, the remaining tentacles around the creature raised up into the air and let out an incredible organ-like sound that filled the auditorium. sound that sent vibrations up and down your spine. The crowd burst into applause, and the girl continued her graceful sitting dance with the tentacles, every movement bringing a different sound from a different tentacle. When the show ended and the clear curtain lowered over the stage, everyone stood and clapped for several minutes. In stark contrast to Dallas's theatrics, Fusick gave a simple bow and hurried off the stage. Doug kept hearing the people around him say things like, ''I've never seen anything like it!'' or ''She has the gift!'' One fellow even said, ''She has tamed the beast!'' Doug had to agree with them. The performance was a marvel to behold. The initial terrifying image of the slug pipe looming over the young girl somehow transformed into this beautiful display of movement and sound, so deep and moving that you could feel it throughout your body. Doug quickly led the others up to the studio office. We'd like to speak with the owner, please, Doug asked the short, flat faced man at the booth. The man looked them over skeptically. "'What for?' Doug hesitated. Uh -uh. "'Lydia jumped in. We'd like to compliment him on the most extraordinary performance we've ever seen.' The man scratched his chin. "'All right. Come this way.' As he led them around the booth and into a long hallway, Doug caught Lydia closing her eyes. "'Are you getting a vision?' "'Not quite.' I've been practicing trying to summon a vision. It'd be much more useful if I could control when I see into the future instead of getting random flashes when I'm not expecting them. Is it working? Sort of? I have to really concentrate and imagine myself taking a few steps ahead of my body. I know it sounds crazy, but that doesn't sound crazy at all. You should see what goes on in my head when I'm mind-building. It's like throwing paint on a wall and trying to make sense of it. I can only imagine. I'm getting a little better at it, but when I try to force it, the visions aren't as clear. I'm getting faint images, a cage and people flying all over the place. Doug gulped. Well, that sounds interesting. Lydia laughed. It's probably nothing. Or maybe we'll all be locked up in the space train zoo car and start flying around like fairies. That wouldn't be weird at all, Doug joked. They reached a triangle door at the end of the hall, and a flat-faced man swiped a card to open it. As it slid open, they saw a woman sitting in an office decorated with neon signs. There were animated posters of musicians and a neon vault behind the desk. The woman was yellow, had a lot of earrings and a double mohawk hairdo. She was busy watching a hologram recording of an audition. She pressed pause and looked at them. "'What's this?' she asked irritably. "'Sorry for interrupting, Murph,' said the flat-faced man. "'But these visitors wanted to compliment you on Fusik's latest performance.' "'Oh, thank you. Goodbye.' Murph turned back to the recording and almost pressed play, but Doug stepped forward. Uh, Um, "'Actually, we were so impressed that we were wondering if we could purchase the exclusive rights to Fusik Kapoor.' We understand she has signed with your studio already, but we're willing to pay off the rest of her contract so she can come play for us. Murph leaned over her desk. How much did you bring? Fifty thousand credits, Lydia said, holding out the bag of silver chips. Murph raised her pierced eyebrows. Set them on the desk. Lydia walked over and dropped the bag on the desk with a jingling thud. Murph opened the bag and ran her hands through the credits. Fusick must really be worth something to you. She is, Doug said. She's exactly what we're looking for. You. She looked at Dallas. You the big buff guy on the news? Um, the crusher? Yeah, that's me. Want a job? Together we can take your fame to the next level. <laughs> really? Ouch! Lydia discreetly stepped on his toes. I mean, Dallas cleared his throat. I'm uh, already signed. Suit yourself. Murph turned her attention back to the credits. Seeing how badly others want my most prized musician only makes me want her more. Thank you for the offering. You mean offer, Dallas corrected. Sefin, see them out, will you? Murph said. The flat-faced man ushered the kids to the door. Lydia went to grab the bag of credits off the desk, but Murph pulled it away. Like I said, an offering. Murph smiled a sinister smile and played with the credits. Consider it the price of getting to meet me face to face. Not many people get a private meeting with the Murph. You know what's better than 50,000 credits? A hundred thousand credits, which is what your big-gloved friend offered me not to let you take Fusik. Doug's jaw dropped. The Rocket Man was here? That's the one. Rocket Man. Murph laughed and shook her head. Ridiculous name and a ridiculous offer. He didn't even want to buy the contract. He just didn't want me to sell it to you. So he wired me the credits and told me to sit tight. He wanted me to inform him as soon as you arrived, which I've already done by pressing the button under my desk. I'm guessing he'll be here any minute. She flipped a coin in the air and caught it. Like I said, thank you for the offering. She nodded to the flat-faced man, and he roughly escorted them out of the theater. (sighs) Great! Now what? Dallas said as the door slammed shut behind them. That shit just stole our money! "'Goro's money,' Lydia said. "'What's wrong with you? You almost took her up on her offer back there.' "'She tried to open the door, but it was locked. "'No, it wasn't. I just wanted to hear her out.'
1: (coughs) "'Blobby
0: rolled his big eyes and chirped angrily at him. "'I was not going to leave you, Blobbert!' Fame could never tear us apart, no matter how irresistible I become. Doug looked over the building. We've got to get back in there. We're not leaving without her. Any ideas? I can get huge and smash the door down, Dallas suggested, checking to make sure there were bystanders who could witness him doing so. It's thick steel, Doug said. I don't think that's going to work. Leo, any way you can hack in and get the doors open for us? Leo held up a finger for them to wait. He walked along the walls of the building, looking for some form of circuit box. Around the corner, halfway down the hall, he found one. He pried it open and examined a mess of wires. "Did you got this,' Dallas encouraged. Leo pulled a chip from his pocket and attached it to the box's circuit board, and then used a wired keypad connected to his chip to type in his codes." His fingers blurred over the buttons. After a couple of minutes, he looked up at them. He pointed around the next corner and mimed a door opening. You're going to open a door around the corner, Lydia interpreted. Leo nodded and then pointed to himself and acted out hearing loud music. Oh, man, that's a tough one. Lydia looked at the others for help. They didn't understand it either. Leo shook his head and sighed. Then he punched in a couple more commands and started tapping a small button repeatedly. As he did, they could hear music getting louder and louder inside the studio. Pretty soon it was blaring and the front door around the corner burst open. Murph and the flat-faced man came stumbling out into the street holding their ears. Leo gestured for everyone to cover their ears and to head for the other door. The cadets did as instructed. They covered their ears and ran back into the studio through the back entrance. As soon as they were inside, they started looking for Fusik. They opened every door and shouted her name, but even they couldn't hear their own voices over the loud music. Lydia waved to get everyone's attention and pointed to a door she'd just opened. Leo finally cut the music and pointed to his wrist. We don't have much time now that the music's off, Doug said. She's in here, Lydia pointed. She led the way into the room, and sure enough... There was Fusik Kapoor, sitting quietly next to her slug pipe. Fusik, Doug said, running up to her. We're the Wanderers. We're here to rescue you. Fusik looked at them, confused. Rescue me? But how? Murph has the whole place locked down. We've got it taken care of, Dallas said. This genius hacked the system and unlocked all the doors. He nudged Leo, who blushed. We'll explain once we're out," Doug said. "Come on, we don't have much time." He could hear people running down the hall towards the room. Fusick hesitated. Doug waved her on. "What are you waiting for? Come on, let's go." Fusick looked back at her slug pipe and shook her head. "I, I can't." "What? Why?" Dallas was getting impatient. "I can't leave my instrument. It's, it's a part of me." I'd rather stay prisoner than be separated from it. Lydia couldn't believe what she was hearing. But this is your chance to escape. I've had opportunities to escape before, Fusick said, but I've never had a way to save Mukra as well. Dallas raised an eyebrow. Mukra? My instrument. The voices in the hall were getting louder. Doug looked frantically at his team for ideas. Okay, I'm going to send out a beacon for Gore to come pick us up. Maybe he can lift the slug pipe out. Dallas, think you can smash a hole in the ceiling? <laughs> oh, please step aside. Dallas put on his headphones and turned on calm classical music. Seconds later, he was enormous. Heads up, little people. With a crouching leap, huge Dallas sprang up off the ground and punched the ceiling. Kong! Dallas fell back and shook his hand. Oh. Flakes of plaster fell away from the ceiling and revealed a network of metal beams above them. It's a metal cage, Lydia shouted. She and Doug shared a look. This must have been what she saw in her vision. Stop, don't move, said the flat-faced man. He and several guards held up their blasters in the doorway. Murph pushed through them. You didn't think I'd put my prize musician in just any old room, did you? She glanced down at the time display on the palm of her hand. Good. He's almost here. I think we'll just keep you all here until your rocket friend can come pick you up. He seemed pretty anxious to see you. Wait, Fusik stepped forward. She glanced at the ground nervously. They've come all this way to see me. Can I at least. Play them one last song before they go? Murph rolled her eyes. Fusick, we don't have time to... Please! It would honor me greatly. Fine. One short song. Our guests will be here in a few minutes. Fusick bowed and seemed to glance at Doug out of the corner of her eye as she walked back over to the slugpipe. With her hand out of view of Murph, she pointed to Doug and then pointed at the ground. Doug had no idea what that meant. Do you take requests, Dallas whispered. Can you play anything from Garth Brooks? Blobby blew a raspberry and splattered into Dallas's ear.
1: Oh, hey, okay, okay. She can play what she
0: wants. Taking a seat on the stool in front of the slugpipe, Fusick slid her arms and feet into four of the tentacles and gave them a whip. Brrrr, music blared through the room, the powerful vibrating sound of a pipe organ. Fusic whipped her arms and feet, making the slugpipe's tentacles flail music in every direction. It was beautiful. It was awe-inspiring. It was powerful. Something long and silver hovered just above the room. Fusic glanced up at it through the hole in the ceiling. Then she threw her hands together above her head and brought her tentacled sleeves down hard. A fat tentacle at the top of the slug pipe blew a deep note that sent a pulsar sound blast shooting up at the ceiling.
1: <laughs>
0: a hole ripped through the plaster and steel cage ceiling, fully revealing the space train above. Murph and her guards cowered back. Now Fusick shouted. Doug realized what she meant by pointing at the ground. Get down! He shouted to the others, practically tackling them as he dropped. Fusik whipped her tentacled sleeves up and down as if she were playing a drum solo. The slug pipe's tentacles aimed behind her and started firing sound blasts back at Murph and the guards. With every blast, a guard was sent flying back. Goro, let down the ropes! Doug shouted into his intercom. A few seconds later, cables attached to suction pads dropped down from the space train into the room. Help me put them on the slug pipe, Doug shouted over the music. Dallas, Leo, Lydia, and Doug jumped to their feet and dodged sound waves as they grabbed the suction pads and slammed them against the slug pipe. Fusa continued her tentacle whipping solo, crossing her arms, drumming her feet, sending sound blasts ripping through the air. Murph tried to fire her blast at her, but the laser bolt froze mid-air as it collided with a sound blast. And then changed direction and flew back at Murph, who dove out of the way. Hop on, Doug shouted. He and the cadets hopped onto the slug pipe and clung to it. Take us up, Goro! With a hard jerk, the cable zipped back up into the space train. Whoa! Fusick dangled from her tentacled sleeves. As soon as her feet were in the train, the door slid shut behind her, and the space train blasted off with an echoing blare of its horn. As the space train disappeared into space, there was a crack and the Rocket Man's fist ship appeared in the sky. It descended on the studio, oblivious to the fleeing space train behind it. Back in the space train, Fusick's slugpipe took up most of the exit bay. Leo dodged its flailing tentacles with a disgusted expression. Well, Doug looked at Lydia, now i know what your vision was all about lydia smiled it worked
1: welcome aboard fusica
0: came goro's voice over the intercom i must say i've been looking forward to meeting you do not worry we have prepared space for your slut pipe in the academy's concert hall fusick looked at doug and the others confused the academy doug smiled and nodded the Academy. It's Rocketeers, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Space Train. I had this image of this instrument, this living instrument, when I was brainstorming this episode idea, this idea of this slug pipe. and I just thought it'd look so cool if somebody could somehow work with this weird, slimy octopus-like beast to create music and it could sound almost like a pipe organ I just anyway I hope you enjoyed that episode Fusik Kapoor with her slug pipe uh, Muska I think it's just so cool anyway this team of wanders the academy students that are growing Space Train is just a lot of fun I hope you guys are enjoying this season I want to thank my mom Roxanne Webb for helping me edit this story and Jeremy from Harmonious for helping edit the audio Amazing. They just helped make it so much better. Thank you so much, you guys. And I want to thank all of you for listening to the story, especially Nora and her baby sister and her mom, Katie from Half Moon Bay, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Rocketeers, if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash purple rocket podcast. You can support the show, get some bonus stories, discounts on merchandise, ad free episodes. Check it out, patreon.com purple rocket podcast. You could also support the show by getting some merchandise through the store on the purple rocket um, But Patreon would probably be the easiest and best way to go. So, thank you so much for all, all the patrons out there. Seriously, it means a ton. I also want to read a couple Apple reviews. This one says, hi, my name is Maya. I live in California. I love the podcast. I beg my mom to listen every night. And my favorites are The Adventures of Pockets, Camp Dino, Grandpa's Globe, etc. Keep up the good work on the stories. You're doing great. Oh, I love it, Maya. Thank you so much for the encouragement. I love it. These kinds of uh, words of encouragement mean the world, Rocketeers, seriously. This next one says, I love this podcast. I love, love, love Camp Dino, but you didn't release the next season yet. Not that I'm mad or anything. It probably takes time, but I just love it. So I started to listen to Grandpa's Globe. Then I listened to all the other episodes of Grandpa's Globe. So then I tried the other stories. I think I listened to every one of them, except Space Train. I love Space Train. The best part is I didn't finish all the episodes. So anyway, please come out with another Camp Dino season soon. Thank you for your wonderful podcast. And this was from Baze. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Baze, I definitely want to come back to Camp Dino. I have to focus on one, two stories at most at a time. I do plan on coming back to Camp Dino at some point, but I'm not going to say any kind of release date because I'm, I'm going to finish the stories I'm currently working on, but I'm glad you're enjoying things. So yeah, if you finish a season you love, sounds like a lot of people really love Camp Dino. I love Camp Dino too. Just go on to another season. Check out Grandpa's Globe, Winglings Under the Willow Tree, The Adventures of Pockets, and Space Train Season 2 are the current active seasons. Those are the stories that I'm in the middle of. So you will get new episodes every other week. Uh, so keep checking back on that and make sure Rocketeers, when you're leaving a review, if you leave a positive, well, I'm reading some positive reviews, make sure the star rating matches the, the positivity. If you can, I totally get it. You know, my, my fingers, I get a little sticky fingers. But please, it helps other people. When you give a good review and leave a good rating, it does help other people discover the show. So thank you so much for doing that, Rocketeers. And I hope you all have a great week. I hope you're all kind to others. I want you all to be examples of kindness. I know that seems super random, but please, 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 Rocketeers, be confident in yourself, love yourself, just be kind to others, and you yourself will be happier by doing so. You're awesome, Rocketeers. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check back next time. This is your host, Greg Webb.